Charlie loves cherry, so he fills his froster with wild cherry, cherry cola, and tops it off with cherry limeade. It's the cherry on Charlie's day. Mix the polar pop or froster that works for you. Just 79 cents each at Circle K. Limited time only at participating locations. Welcome to the Masogi Method with work happiness expert Jody B. Miller. Each week, Jody interviews amazing people who have broken through huge barriers to achieve meaning, success, and happiness in their lives. For each of us, the path to lasting happiness has always been there, but it may take a Masogi to get you on it. Here's your host, Jody B. Miller. Welcome to the Masogi Method, breaking through barriers to achieve meaning, success, and happiness that actually lasts. I'm your host, Jody B. Miller. My guest today literally takes thought leadership to a new level. He works with thought leadership experts and takes their vision to new heights. He helps them break through barriers to get their message, expertise, and brand to levels they never thought possible. Peter Winnick is the founder and CEO of Thought Leadership Leverage. Peter, welcome to the Masogi Method. Well, thank you so much for having me. I just love what you do. You know, before we jumped on this podcast interview, I looked up the definition of a thought leader because I've dealt with a lot of what I think are thought leaders in different industries. And I like to think that I am in the work happiness space. But according to Wikipedia, a thought leader is an individual or firm that is recognized as an authority in a specialized field and whose expertise is sought and often rewarded. Would that be in line with the kind of people you work with? Yes. I would say yes and. And, and uh, I would define it slightly differently, meaning there's a lot of noise in the, out there in the world, right? And I think there's, there's really two, two components to thought leadership. There's thought, meaning it's not just putting out there other things that you've heard or, or memes or whatever. There's actual real deep thought that you've put into whatever it is, be that academic, be that experiential, uh, whatever the case may be. And then the second piece is the leadership, where you're not just, again, repeating what you've heard or things that are, that are interesting or intriguing, but you're adding to the conversation. So if your content is leadership or resilience or whatever, it's thoughtful and you're leading the conversation in a new direction. And obviously uh, you're recognized by others in the space. Sure. So when you're looking to work with thought leaders with your business, how do you find those leaders? Are they mainly authors? Are they leaders in science? Are they leaders with a lot of followers um, on social media? How, how do you specify who you work with? Yeah, so we've been, we've been at this for, for quite a while. So I'll, I'll give you sort of two answers to that question. Business comes to us from referrals. So we have a nice network of folks that also work with the types of people we like to work with in a non-competitive way. And then business comes to us, uh, you know, as a result of a lot of social media that we do and targeted marketing that we do and, 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 and really laser focused. Um, the other way I'd answer the question in terms of who we work with, because we've been doing this for quite a long time, we've developed sort of four client avatars, client profiles that are really specific. And we know that, hey, if someone meets those criteria, there's a good chance they're a fit. And we, we really don't go outside of those lines where if someone sort of kind of maybe is there, we know that's not going to be good for us or them. So we're, we're pretty disciplined and structured. Sure. So what would those four sure. quadrants be? Yeah. So the four, and, it, and it's not an exact science and we've got, because all of my clients are sort of smart and type A and whatever. Um, some of them fit into a couple of buckets. The four buckets are number one, 
author slash speaker. So they've written a book or five or 10. They speak professionally 50, 100 times a year. That's one group. Second group are what we would call elite academics. So again, we've got clients at places like Wharton, Yale, London School of Business, Tucks up at, at uh, Dartmouth, et cetera. So obviously they're, they're really, really smart. And the key for those folks is there's some sort of an event, a lightning strike of sorts that causes them to rethink about things. And that could be a TED Talk, an HBR blog that goes wild, a book that, that gets some, some momentum, a media appearance, some, something external happens that shakes things up for them in a good way. Um, so that's the second group. Third group would be consulting firms. It could be anything from a single shingle consulting firm to about $100 million in top-line revenue. The struggle that they have is they know how to run a consulting business and a profitable consulting business, and they've built a lot of tools and assets and frameworks and methodologies, but they're looking to figure out uh, alternative means of monetizing the content that aren't dependent on adding more bodies, more consultants to the mix. And then the last group that we deal with are CEOs, CXOs, founders, and co-founders. And it could be anything from a CEO of a Fortune 500 that's in the process of leaving the C-suite voluntarily and wants to stay engaged in the game of business post that, but not at the level of being a CEO. So they want to write and speak and comment and all that sort of stuff. Or it's a founder, co-founder, CXO of a high, high growth, high, highly visible company and the investment the organization is making into thought leadership yields benefits to the company. So it's, you know, each of them has a unique scenario and a unique problem that they're trying to solve where we can help them. And we've, and we've got experience working with each of these types. That's awesome. I mean, it sounds like I can't wait to, to really learn about how your program works, but let's take for an example, an elite academic. Um, I had someone on my podcast early on when I first launched this after I did my TEDx talk, um, who invented the tracking devices uh, for whale sharks and African hunting dogs and condors. And he's very well known throughout the world, but he writes for basically professional periodicals and he teaches at the college level and he has a PhD. What would you say to someone like that? How could you help someone like that? Well, I, I don't know enough about the context, but, but if they've got domain expertise in a space, the question really would become, you know, what is that expertise? Who is it most valuable to? And in what format would it be most valuable? Right? So certain things are just, you know, the, the problem with some academics is the currency is really publishing, right? Sure. Um, and, you know, they, they work really, 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 really hard to get in these academic journals. And, you know, quite frankly, nobody outside of their peers and sort of that very, very small academic community inside of their subspecialty cares or reads about it. So, sure. you know, and there's reasons that, that, that that's sort of the model there. Now, if it has a broader application, right? So if somebody is an academic that's focused on, performance or leadership or, or, or resilience or something that has a business application and when applied in a business scenario yields a you know positive business outcome that's fairly straightforward the problem most academics have is is they don't scale right so they can write a little bit they can speak a little bit they can come in and talk to a board of directors but how do you take that knowledge base and that framework and put it into different modalities so that it, it, it yields a consistent outcome without them being involved Right. That's, that's a big challenge. I mean, it's kind of making it a mass appeal. I, I would imagine that when you're working with different thought leaders, you use a lot of social media to help spread their message. So the short answer is yes. I think the better answer is people get sort of drawn into this whole social media universe. And sometimes they, they forget 
the first couple of key steps in terms of why am I investing time and energy and effort into social media? And ultimately, to me, there's only one of two reasons, right? And, and they could be both at the same time. Branding, awareness, et cetera, is one, you know, sort of building that out. And the second piece is to find clients, right? So net new client acquisition. So I think that there's lots of ways to use social. We use it very aggressively and we use it for a lot of our clients, but ultimately you got to have a strategy in place and a marketing plan in place and see if it fits there before you, you know, sort of let the, 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 the tail wag the dog. And I think a lot of people, because it's so easy to jump onto Twitter or whatever that they, they have the tail wagging the dog. there. Sure. So you work with all these different buckets of people and it sounds like you probably come up with a unique uh, plan for each person or company you work with. Yep. Yep. So, so let's take an author. Let's say this author's written one book, three books, they're well-known in their space. Give me an example of sort of how you could take their books and have them become a bigger presence. Sure. So book to me is really proxy for one place that their content lives in an organized, logical, codified fashion, right? And people get obsessed with books, but unless, you know, you, you were a former president or something like that, the actual you know, net benefit, direct benefit that you get from selling books is pretty marginal, if anything, sure. right? So the real question is, what, what is that person trying to achieve? And some of it is, you know, strictly from a business perspective, some of it might be more um, uh, what I would call evangelical, and I don't mean, mean in a, a religious perspective, but they want to get that message out there. It's important to them to get it out there. So, so the question is, what is their starting point and where do they want to go? And what is the likelihood that that is rational based on where they are and where they want to be? You know, when people come to me and say, oh, I want to be, you know, Jim Collins. Well, Jim Collins has written one of the greatest business books of all time. He's been doing sure. it for 25 years. He's a $75,000 speaker that's probably spoken a thousand times. So anything's possible. But given your starting point and you tell me you want to be Jim Collins, is that a 20-year time horizon? No, it's six months, right? Like, yeah, that's probably not going to work, right? So what does it take to get to where you want to be? For some people, their, their goals are pretty straightforward. Hey, I'd like to speak more. For some is, I, you know, I want to be in front of uh, uh, audiences that are, that are higher cachet than the ones I'm at. I want to be at the, you know, sort of the, the room when it happens from Hamilton, if you will. Uh, mm -hmm. For others, it might be, I want to make a ton of money. Like, I know my stuff is good. It, I rock it when I'm on stage. And I want to get it embedded at scale at large organizations and make a ton of money and make the world a better place. Yeah. So it, it give, give me an example of a success story that you're really proud of. I mean, it sounds like you probably have so many to choose from, but is, are there any, is there one or two, are there one or two that really stand out to you? Yeah, there are several. And without naming, naming names, I, I, I'll sort of paint a picture of a couple. Uh, one would be uh, a client that's actually become a good friend of mine who uh, back in his early days was a uh, speechwriter in the White House, you know, back as a young, young intern back 20-something uh, years ago, and built up a reputation of being one of the top corporate speechwriters uh, in the U.S. And, you know, so CEOs would hire him, leaders would hire him. But the problem in that world is um, there's basically a price card, right? So you can't just name your own price. The market says, wait, if you're, you know, if you're going to, develop a speech for a CEO and it's 30 minutes, the price range is going to be between A and B. And, it, and by the way, it's a good price. It's not a bad way to make a living. 
And I looked at his stuff and I said, actually, you know, you're only charging for that, you know, for the razor blade and, 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 and not the razor, because part of what he would do to make his speeches so good and build this great reputation is take his clients through a framework and a methodology to get them to think about what their platform is and how it's going to get out there. And it's not just the writing of the words. So mm -hmm. we sort of ripped that business apart and put it back together and developed some specific products and offerings on that front end stuff that he was giving away. And it basically, the net outcome is, you know, is that a hundred million dollar company now? No, but he took what is basically a very specialty specialized boutique consulting firm and three X it in terms of the amount of revenue that he's able to charge these very high value clients for ultimately doing the same work. So that's, that's pretty cool. Oh, that's um, very cool. Yeah. I have other examples where I've got clients that have, you know, really, really good stuff. They've reached a level of success, whatever that means, you know, they're speaking a little bit, making some money, et cetera, where, um, we were able to take the same content that was in their brains and their speeches and their books and turn it into uh, video based training systems that we very quickly licensed into a fortune 50 for seven figures. So game changing to them financially game changing to the consumers of that content from an impact perspective. Um, so, you know, it really, it really depends on what they're trying to achieve. You know, some people it's, Hey, I've been speaking for three years, sort of at a local level, at a smaller level, and I want to go all in and I want to speak more. So we've been able to do that. Uh, we've had clients where they've been struggling with getting a book out and they've had to navigate the waters of, do I, do I publish uh, uh, traditionally through a big New York publishing house? Do I self-publish? What is my product roadmap that goes behind the book so that when the book goes out there, there's a logic here. Um, it's really about building a business based on your ideas. I love that. That's totally breaking through big barriers. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah, I love it. So um, you are a self-professed information junkie and an avid reader of business books. How does all of that come into play with when you're developing these plans for your clients? I think it comes into play from the perspective of, you know, we, I, I have an interesting vantage point from where I sit. All I do all day and all my company does and all my people do all day are work with really brilliant, wonderful, passionate people that are thought leaders, right? Mm -hmm. Yet each of them, it's their first time, right? So even, you know, so you, you know, the first time you write a book, it's a big deal, right? And, and they haven't seen what we've seen. So, you know, if you're a, I don't know, an attorney, you probably have lots of other friends that are attorneys and there's lots of people you can sit over, you know, a cup of coffee or a cocktail late in the day and say, oh, what are you struggling with? Well, it's clients and billing and blah, 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 blah. Thought leaders don't have that. It's pretty lonely. You know, most people don't have friends that are also thought leaders, authors, and speakers. So I think what we bring to the table is that perspective and that experience and the fact that, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of a, you know, information junkie, probably a nice way to say a nerd. Uh, and I read a lot and I'm around these folks a lot. I've seen many things before uh, that might apply to someone's situation that they might not even be aware of. Like, mm -hmm. meaning, hey, here's a different business model you might not have thought of. We can take your content and do A, B, C, and D with it, and blah, 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 blah. And they're like, wow, I didn't even know that that's, that's an option from a modality perspective. So when you start to lay out this plan, do you actually help execute it? Or do you kind of, did you put the whole team on it? Or do you just sort of guide them through the process and then they go out and do it or hire the different platforms? Yeah, so, I, so from an organizational perspective, we have the capabilities to take it from strategy through branding and platform development through product development and product. There's a lot of ways to productize uh, intellectual property today, whether it's assessments or video or speaking or whatever, all the way through 
to we help our clients develop business. So we are full service. We have some clients where we just help on the strategy side and they have uh, either their own teams or put together a team to do the implementation and execution and we might serve in an advisory role. Um, our favorite scenarios are obviously to take it from what I call sort of the, the, the back of an envelope to the, to the um, uh, back of a check for a client where exactly. we can take it all the way through from, from a whiteboard to great, now we're getting this embedded at a Fortune 50 for them. I love that. I think that's awesome. So what advice would you have, for example, for a speaker who's been speaking lone, um, locally? Yeah, I was thinking of lonely when you said thought leaders being lonely. Um, speaking locally in their market and they want to go to a grander stage. What tips would you have for someone listening that might be in that position? Sure. Well, I, first thing I would do a reality check and, and, and say, well, why would anyone listen to you? Right. And, and just intentionally be a little bit snarky. Like, what do you have to say that's different, right? So, you know, a lot of times folks will say, oh, it's so, you know, it's not fair that so-and-so gets $50,000 a speech and I get $5,000. i am like, well, there's nothing to do with fair. Why would someone pay you if that's your aspiration, that, right? What is it that you've done? What is it that you bring? And you have to understand, and I think this is where it starts to get interesting, all the various underlying business models that, that, that are underneath content and thought leadership. So why is some, you know, so if somebody's hiring you as a speaker, and you want to be, you know, a high ticket speaker, we have to understand the business model. Are they hiring you? So let, let's take a, um, whatever, a Bill Clinton or an Obama or, or, or you know, a, a, a Malcolm Gladwell or whatever. Part of the reason they might hire someone like that is obviously their experience, their expertise, their, their celebrity, their cachet. But the other is it sells tickets to an event, right? If I'm a, the association of whatever, and I bring in a big ticket speaker, I'm hoping that sells more tickets. So I think part of it is, how do you help them? What are their, what's the business model of your clients? How are you supporting them, right? How, how are you outsmarting your competition? And how are you outservicing them? I, what I find is a lot of uh, sort of well-known speakers or folks that have been doing it a long time, as in any business, as in anybody that's successful, they atrophy a little bit, they get a little sloppy, they get a little lazy, they're not as hungry. So what could you do to outmaneuver, be hungrier, outservice the client uh, base that you're trying to serve? Mm -hmm. So you really look at it from soup to nuts. I like how you say the back of an envelope to the back of a check. It's a good visual. Yep. How, how did you get started in this very specialized segment of helping people really break through their own barriers? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, I, I, I don't think many things in life are linear in most situations. Now, if you want to be a brain surgeon, there's clearly a logical linear path. If you want to be you know, an accountant, et cetera. Um, for me, this was just sort of almost this bizarre chemical reaction, right? So on the one hand, uh, I've always been an entrepreneur, started businesses, building businesses, sold businesses, et cetera. And on the other hand, which I thought was totally separate, unrelated, uh, I've always been uh, a passionate consumer of interesting business content, right? So I've always been, you know, you know, Google this term, but magazines way back in the day, right? They used to be right. these big the paper, magazines and books and articles. And some of that comes from being, you know, way back in the day, an underfunded entrepreneur in my 20s trying to drive, grow a company that didn't have either the, the, you know, the knowledge, the resources, the money to bring in the experts to help me. So you can get a lot of information for a book for 20 bucks, right? So it's good value. And then ultimately those two worlds um, uh, sort of collided uh, where I was brought in to do a turnaround at a communications consulting firm whose product, if you will, was uh, primarily a two-day presentation skills program. And then I'm like, oh, wait, there's a whole business side to this content world that I, 
you know, never even thought of. I just buy books and read them, or I just follow people I, I like and, and, you know, buy their magazines or whatever. Like, wait, what, what are the business models? And once I started to understand those and apply it, I'm like, wow, there's an opportunity here because most folks that are thought leaders, the folks that service them are incredibly fragmented. So the typical author, thought leader, speaker type might have a book agent, might have a speaking agent, might have someone helping them with their website. Nobody was sort of doing, doing this in a holistic, integrated way. And that was the opportunity I saw, you know, a dozen plus years ago and said, wait a minute, why is it, you know, if I was an athlete, I'd have one person to take care of all my needs or one organization. Why don't I have that as a thought leader? So lo and behold, here we are. And uh, I think for the most part, the markets responded positively. I just love it, Peter. I agree. Um, when I published my first book with a small publishing firm in San Francisco, they didn't do anything. Right. <laughs> so I had to hire a publicist and, yep. and then I was getting, they were getting me on TV and radio and, and et cetera, et cetera. You know, the drill. Um, and then when I went to go for a TEDx talk, that's a whole nother process. I'm sure you've probably helped yep. people with that. And that, um, I ended up hiring a coach just to make sure I really had my message yep. really honed in. And so I went sort of piece by piece. And you're, and you're forced to quarterback all this stuff. And at every step of the way, because it's your first time, there's a right. risk that you're going to make a mistake because you just haven't done it before. And that's, that's exactly what I saw over and over again. I'm like, wait a minute. To really be a great thought leader today, focus on your stuff. I want to take away all the stuff that's core to me. That's that you've never done before because I'm better at it, quite frankly, than, the, you know, a, a relatively new thought leader, even an experienced thought leader. They don't want to be doing it. And the opportunity cost is too high for them to figure out what's my social media strategy. That's, that's really a dumb question for a thought leader to execute or answer on their own. Absolutely. No, I totally agree with you. And there are so many people that listen to the Masogi Method who are writers, who are speakers, yep. who are CEOs, who have started new startup companies. If you just the, my last two interviews were CEOs of startups. Yep. Um, I think what you offer is extremely valuable and I can speak from personal experience having quarterbacked many stages of my personal career and platform. Now it's starting to take off because I'm able to offer all these different things, yep. but I, I definitely had to do it piecemeal. And I'm probably not quite there yet, Peter. So we should be talking offline as well. So, <laughs> Well, the other piece is, you know, it's not just, uh, you know, speed is an option, right? So what is, what would it be worth to you if I said to you, Hey Jody, whatever it took you, whatever, you know, 10 years to figure out to get where you are today. What if we could do that in six months or a year? Like that's incredibly valuable, right? Cause you know, my, my clients are smart and they tend to figure things out, but I also see a lot of smart people doing dumb things because there's this, this, these unwritten sort of rules like, Oh, you, you write a book and you hire a PR firm and they get you on AM radio. And it's like, wait, time out. Do you know anybody that listens to AM radio? Like, right. <laughs> it's just something. And then you go, oh, shoot. Like, yeah, actually, no, there's a crazy guy that walks around in the park that listens to AM radio with a, you know, with the tinfoil on his head. But other than that, like, yeah. So then why are you spending $50,000 to do it? Well, I don't know. They, you know, this is what these bookmark, they told me to do it. Like, okay, so let's think about that. And, and that's where it becomes sort of overwhelming. And, and, you know, they'll look back after and go, oh, man, it was like, you know, you know, taking a match to six figures and I, sh I, if I only knew now what I knew then, or you know the questions, if you know, don't, don't just let an expert tell you, well, this is, we always do it that way. Like if you don't understand the business logic, what the ROI on any investment that you're making in yourself from a thought leadership perspective, time out, don't do it. 
I love it, Peter. And I love how direct you are. Um, you know, for me, having a background in television and also as an investment banker yeah. before I moved into this space, um, I definitely look at everything as bottom line. And I also, even with my publicist, I was like, no, I want to get on Good Morning America. <laughs> you know, yeah. that, that sort of thing. But, but um, even the Good Morning America thing, and, and I'm, there's a lot of reasons to want that. It could be ego, it could be brand, whatever. What I can tell you is, and I'll just use that as an example, people will spend a lot of money to get on the Today Show, Good Morning America, et cetera. It used to be not that long ago, 10 years ago, they would have three authors a week on. They mm -hmm. don't have more than one or two a month. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's not what their audience wants. And then even when you're on there, I've known several people that have been on there, and it used to be if you walked off the stage, you know, the books are flying off the shelf. And I've literally seen people do it, you know, a Today Show uh, appearance, which is, you know, sort of the holy grail. And literally, you know, they get an uptick of three or 400 books. You're like, are you like, really? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's just um, not that there's, you know, listen, if, if, if uh, Savannah Guthrie calls you, hang up on me and take the call. But yeah. <laughs> don't expect it to be my fault. Well, I ended up on Good Morning Arizona and I loved that. And that did, okay. actually did sell a lot of books. Okay, but, cool. Um, I just think what you're doing, I'm a big, big believer and I'm a big believer in moving way outside someone's comfort zone. And I'm sure you help people navigate not just to the edge of their comfort zone, but way out to see the business they can create, the platform they can create. Yep. And I, well, we do, I would say we do end with the purpose of getting them back in to spend as much time in their comfort zone as possible. So we want to take them out of there and, and I don't want to say scare them, but show them all the variables and possibilities and all that. And then say, listen, here's how we're going to do this for you. Now you can go back in your cocoon and do the things that you love to do, speak and write and blah, 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 you right. know, and not have to go tackle all these other things that are um, scary, confusing outside of your expertise. Like, you know, think about what it takes to really stand out in the crowd today from a thought leadership perspective, and then lay on top of that, oh, and to be successful, you need to be a successful social marketer, and you need to build a brand, and you need to know instructional design. Like, you're going to layer 30 things on top and say, wow, that's just impossible. And, you, and, and I'm sort of like, yeah, that's kind of my point. You know? Right, but you can help people redefine that possible by yep. handling yep. all those things that, so they can go back and do what they're really good at. Peter, exactly. I love it. How do people, and I know a lot of our listeners are going to be contacting you because you are speaking to the choir with a, with <laughs> a lot of this audience on the Masogi Method. How can people get a hold of you and your team? Yeah, so one is you can look at the website, thoughtleadershipleverage.com. There's a lot of great information and videos and, and all that sort of stuff. If you want to get to me directly, uh, it's fairly straightforward. You send me an email. It's peter at thoughtleadershipleverage.com. And that actually goes directly to me, which might seem quaint and antiquated, but I find, uh, you know, uh, I find it's impactful. So. Well, Peter, thank you so much for being on the Masogi Method. I love everything you had to say, and you and I will be talking later. I can't wait. Well, great. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I encourage anyone that wants to take a look at the site. There's some great information there. And if there's anything I can do to help, feel free to reach out. Happy to do so. Awesome. Thanks, Peter. Seven billion humans on Earth can't all like the same drink. That's why Circle K has Polar Pop and Froster. Pick your flavors and make that one in seven billion mix just right for you. Polar Pop and Froster, just 79 cents each at Circle K. Limited time only at participating locations. From a bird-watching nurse to a line-dancing firefighter, nobody's just one thing. That's why Polar Pop and Froster aren't either. Choose from all kinds of flavors and make your mix. Polar Pop and Froster, just 79 cents each at Circle K. Limited time only at participating locations.